Welcome to the Burrito Justice Radio Hour, hosted today, July 18th, 2017. Not by the usual Burrito Justice that you know. This is only a test of the launch system, but... This is the Burrito Justice Radio Hour at BFF.FM, coming to you live from the secret alley with me, Saldrew, and my host... Victoria Fierce. Victoria Fierce, TD Fisher underscore on the Twitters. We'll be here for two hours talking to you about a wide range of topics, including housing, bikes, mass transit, San Francisco, burritos, Oakland, Berkeley, and all the other fun stuff. What have I missed, Victoria? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of Berkeley we can talk about. How Berkeley can we be? Oh, let's not get there. Let's not get that Berkeley. We'll get a little bit Berkeley. We'll be a little bit more Oakland. We'll be a little bit of San Francisco. Get on your bike and only use one headphone, please, in the interest of safety. We'll be back right after this introductory song. San Francisco winds are blowing all right. And in my mind, I'm feeling fine. Save me, Lord. I'm coming home. And now
on this road called life I lay my weary body down and die I'll be coming Welcome back to the Burrito Justice Radio Hour. I'm Saul Drew, your guest host today, and I'm here with Victoria T.D. Fisher. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Thanks so much for coming out. Yeah, sure. Um, we are, this is my first time being the guest host of this show. Big thanks to Burrito Justice for the opportunity to share a little bit about San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, and all things housing, mass transit, and bikes. So, Victoria, tell us a little bit about what you're up to. We were just at a great event this weekend. Tell us what you've been doing. <laughs> Uh, mostly that. Yeah, this past weekend we had Yimby Town, which is the international Yimby conference for Yes in My Backyard housing organizers. Yes in uh, My Backyard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what? Well, I mean, speaking of Berkeley. Speaking uh, of Berkeley. We talk a lot about, about uh, kind of housing. Like, housing's, I'm, a, I'm a housing organizer. That's my job right now. And uh, in that line of work, you end up with a lot of people who start opposing housing projects. They're like, oh, yes, no, we, we totally need housing in the Bay Area. We're in a shortage of housing. We need to build more. Um, this is good, just not in my backyard. And then the thing is, it's kind of a collective action problem. You get everybody who also says housing's good, just not in my backyard, then suddenly no housing gets built. So I'm the voice of reason against that in East Bay. Seems like everyone's got a backyard where they want to block something. It feels like whenever any cool thing is coming up, Somebody's like, yeah, great, but not here. Right, yeah, they, they, they like the idea. They just don't want to have to live next to it because uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, so um, I, I've, been in, I've been in San Francisco for a while. Um, did, did you grow up here or did you come here from somewhere else? Uh, about three years ago, I moved out here from Akron, Ohio, the Midwest, where we have a very different problem out there. Out here in the Bay Area, people are like, well, maybe we should cut back on jobs. And back in Ohio, it's like, we have so many jobs. Please, will somebody, literally anybody move out here? Right. Yeah, that's not the problem in the Bay Area. The problem, as you say, is a, to is a lack of housing and overwhelmed infrastructure, too, which we'll totally get to. So you got involved in YIMBY right after you got here, I guess, because you were experiencing this problem, correct? Yeah, I rent. Exactly. If you rent, then, you know, you're, you're paying a lot of money for not a lot of, uh, not a lot of housing, at least the last time I checked. Yeah, not only that, but like, by definition, you're housing insecure. Like, you don't, you don't, have control over necessarily your landlord your landlord can just evict you by raising up the rents or for whatever reason you know find a way around just cause owner move in ellis act all these things so at any given moment your housing situation can change i'm housing insecure there's a lot of people like us yeah for sure and i i find it really interesting because a lot of folks who've been either involved in the tenant community here in san francisco or elsewhere haven't taken this per this approach that says let's build more how is it you came to the conclusion that we really should be building more housing rather than just promoting rent control uh i think it's kind of a simple thing uh there's like there's been this chart that's floated around a few times in the last couple of years uh that shows it's a picture of la and it's a picture of la it's a graph of la's uh, housing population versus how much planned capacity they've got like how much land they said we can put housing here and if you look at it, they start off, and I think L.A. has like six times or ten times, it's something ridiculous, the amount of space planned for their population. They're, they're nowhere near what they planned. And then sometime around the 70s, like the capacity just kind of like plummeted, and now it like very closely matches the current population. So if you add more people, you necessarily have to build more housing. And if you like 
if you think about the problem of, well, there's not enough housing, so prices are high, it makes sense to, you know, build more housing. Makes sense to me. Yeah, if you think about it, like in terms of a bread shortage or something. If Let's there's make not more a, bread. Yeah, if there's not enough bread, you make more bread. If there's a coffee shortage? Uh, well, we've got much bigger issues to worry about then. <laughs> then but yeah, then we have bigger build, problems, Yeah, right. build more coffee. Build more, yeah, grow more coffee, exactly. So what, what is this Yimby town that you were just involved with? I want to hear more about this. Tell, tell me what this event was. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah, so like I said, it was like an international conference of all the Yimby organizers across the planet. Um, it's not just a Bay Area thing, which kind of surprised a lot of people at this. But no, it's totally a worldwide thing. Wait, worldwide? People came from all across the world to say, let's build housing? Yeah, we had a bunch of people from Vancouver, Toronto, London, like... I mean, there was majority Americans there, but also there was a lot of people who just weren't from the United States, and they still struggle with these problems. It's a world problem. Wow, that's pretty cool. Well, listen, I think I'm going to hop into a song for just a minute related to Yimby Town, perhaps, and uh, then I want to hear more about some of those opinions that people have around the world. Okay.
So when we took you down to Yimby Town, what were some of the things that you learned from our friends around the world? Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think, I don't know, it's kind of like obvious in hindsight, but a lot of the same problems we're hearing in the Bay Area are like all over the country, all over the planet. You've got people who want to preserve their views at the cost of housing, people who think that pedestrians should have the least right-of-way in traffic, or uh, just a lot of people who are also just like, well, people ranting about gentrification, they're just being stupid, which I completely disagree with because there's a lot of reasons to talk about gentrification. We need to have a discussion about that. And that's actually one thing that came out of Yimby Town for a lot of people, I feel, um, is that we need to be listening to people who don't look like us. I think that's a really good point. When you talk about gentrification, a lot of times you see battle lines being drawn around, you know, newer infrastructure versus old or earlier residents versus later. But it sounds like it's more complex than that. Oh, yeah, a lot more. Because, like, again, again, like, you know, I've been out here for three years, only three years in the Bay Area. And I've moved to a majority, at the time, black city of Oakland. Or, sorry, not majority, but significant portion of it is not people who are white. And uh, uh, I, I think mo- it's majority not white, for sure. Yeah, for sure. That, yeah. So is California. Yeah, yeah. And, like... You know, what I don't have a lot of the experiences that people of color have. Uh, I don't have, like, I, I look white. Police are nice to me. They treat me like any other nice white lady, which is a problem because uh, everybody should be treated like that. Not necessarily that, uh, not, I, I shouldn't be given this kind of privilege. I think everybody should enjoy the same thing of be able to walk down the street safely and be able to ride a bike without getting ticketed and the threat of being put in jail. Absolutely. I think that's a really important point. Those of us who have, like, I'm a white guy, I have a little more of that privilege, and I recognize that I'm getting a break, and I don't think that we should have a special break. Everybody should be treated well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and a lot of the discussion about gentrification kind of came back to that, of like, well, a, you know, a lot of us are white people. We need to take a seat and listen to people that are uh, expressing legitimate grievances about the way that cities are changing and how they feel that they're being left out. And yeah. What was something new that you learned about what cities should do that you hadn't thought about before the weekend? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think one thing that maybe not necessarily what cities should learn, because like during the conference, I was like doing a lot of stage management, production sort of stuff and running around. I didn't really get a chance to go to many of the sessions. Um, but I did run a session myself on leftism, socialism, and how YIMBYs can all work together. And uh, from that, I learned about 10% of Yimby Town attendees are leftist in some way, although I'd still argue that we're all leftist because we want a better future for everybody, not just a limited number of people. So I think that was pretty interesting. That's, that's super interesting because I think of the Yimby movement as not necessarily mm-hmm. leftist, or at least I didn't before, I, before I, met, I met you and got to know East Bay Forward. I've always thought of it as more market-oriented, like let's build more just to address the price, but it seems like there's more to it than that. I mean, I think the market plays a significant part into it. It's not the only answer to everything, of course, but like, we can't just look at the housing supply and say, well, there's only 3,000 units being built and 20,000 people are moving here. That's okay. Like, You can't look at no, that and say that's going to work out. Yeah, so I've, I've got a song here from you from uh, Oakland by Lloyd about Telegraph Avenue. Tell me, about, tell me what you love about Telegraph Avenue before we play this song. Uh, Telegraph Avenue is like... Uh, it connects Oakland and Berkeley. It's got a lot of stuff on it. It, uh, I think it's just like there's a lot of art studios, a lot of cultural stuff up there. It's really great. We just got new bike lanes. Or, oh, man, those bike lanes are so good. I know. According to some people, the, the protected parking lanes, which uh, we're working on that. But Parks, Come on, people. Park somewhere else. Yeah, I know. I know. 
um yeah it's it's uh it's where a lot of happening stuff is growing up in oakland a lot of nightlife a lot of fun studios and art events and stuff and it's just kind of like the main thoroughfare these days in oakland if you look at broadway broadway is like five six lanes of car traffic telegraph is pedestrian friendly it's walkable you can ride a bike we got protected bike slash parking lanes we've got like it's meant for people Telegraph Avenue. It's meant for people. I like that slogan. Well, let's hear about Telegraph Avenue. And I'll have a question for you about burritos and beer when we come back. Sweet. Before I get to the baby, that's a problem. Because I'm way too scared to call and you might give me a stay Can we just roll the feeling? Can we just roll for a minute? Wait a minute. Foot on the gas. I'm just trying to pass all the red lights and the stop signs. I'm ready to go. But I'm really not ready, girl. That's a problem. Cause I'm way too scared to fall. And I know you choose to stay now. All the girlfriends saying, here we go again. Rich kid, but he act like a gentleman. Last one didn't end like it should have been. Two dates and he still want to get it in. And they saying it's because of the internet. Try once and it's on to the next shit. X or the old face on your exes, right? And we can do the same thing if you want to have at it when your thoughts can't breathe and you're thinking asthmatic and you want to be a mom. Little technical difficulties with that song. It seems to have wrapped up before we were ready. So we're going to roll into another right now. Computers are great. Computers are fabulous. I'm so glad they don't run our cities. Oh, wait. Oh, wait.
So the rent you pay is so much. I repeated that song at least once and maybe twice. So uh, sorry about that. That's all good. Uh, that was Spoon with the rent I pay, which seemed like a very relevant topic, um, particularly as we talked about uh, the econ- the economy that we are living in today. Um, a little. Talking here with Victoria Fierce, who was one of the leaders of Yimby Town and is the founder of East Bay Forward? Uh, one of seven. Tell me about East Bay Forward and tell me about how, uh, how you got involved in, in actually taking on some of these projects that will help hopefully reduce the rent and make it possible for more people to live here. Yeah, uh, so about two years ago or something like that, uh, I was looking around on Twitter and I was, you know, lamenting the high cost of rent as most everybody in the bay area is want to do and i saw uh sf yimby who at the time was sonia Trauss, and they were tweeting hey come out to this planning commission meeting okay so i did i showed up and i said good things about housing around balbello reservoir and then uh after that she invited me to yimby congress meeting i showed up to it and i like looked at her and i asked why i heard there was like an east bay group of sf yimby like what happened to that and she just points at me and says congrats you're it now <laughs> congrats you're it welcome yeah and then uh that's sonia yeah yeah um and then uh we i don't know a couple weeks later we met uh, like the five or six or so of us for ebf uh we met in a cafe after a conference and we were like let's get my friend philip elected to alameda city council and then uh being the kind of people we are we thought oh, that's just too small in scope we got to organize the entire east bay for housing so now we do that awesome so tell me about i know there were a couple projects that you got involved with where you actually got some pretty big wins yeah uh the biggest one i actually got a shirt on it for today uh the macarthur mammoth as we called it we've got to tweet this shirt it's an amazing shirt yeah uh it's uh, a 22 story uh tower with uh 400 some homes 40 of them affordable up at macarthur bart and have you ever been to macarthur bart it's like just a bunch of luxury single family homes all around right Right. Yeah, so this is the biggest thing for miles around, around a BART station that desperately needs housing next to BART. Housing next to BART? Wasn't that the idea, that you'd be able to walk to BART from your house? Yeah, that's the thing. And then, uh, so this this project, and we, like, I don't know, spent maybe four or five months organizing around it. The funniest thing is, when uh, the project came to the planning commission, there were people who literally came down from the Oakland and Berkeley Hills and said, I might see this from my yard. And they, they oh live, God. I know, right? They live way up in the hills. They're talking about people who live in a building, people who are people, residents of Oakland, and they, saying that, I don't want to see that. Were people who lived in high-rises saying, I don't want to see this high-rise? Because I bet that happens. Oh, no, 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 no. But we did have a bunch of people who lived, like, I don't know, 17 blocks or something away, saying, oh, why don't we just build this downtown? Never mind the fact that, like, again, this is next to one of the biggest BART stations, one of the most well-connected stations in the system. Isn't that the only four-track station in the system? Yeah. So there's a, I mean, how, everybody who listens to this sta- this show must go to MacArthur Bart. All, well, if you're in the area anyway, mm-hmm. you must go to MacArthur Bart all the time. What's there now? Uh, well, right now it's a dirt pit. A dirt pit. Wow. The, so citizens for dirt, dirt pits came out to try and preserve the dirt pit. Yeah. Uh, so this this uh, the some of the history of the project was like around 2008, 2007 or something. Uh, city undertook a big plan, and we designed this big MacArthur Transit Center. And uh, the, the, the project, that or the lot that the MacArthur Mammoth is on, uh, they were going to have, I think it was like a four-story building and like, I don't know, 120, 80-some units of housing, zero affordable. Ooh. And the neighbors, yeah, they were coming out for this and they're saying, well, this, you know, we can just go back to the 2008 plan. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but this big tower is just an offense to all of my delicate sensibilities. But that earlier project had fewer homes, nothing affordable. Sounds to me like it was a bad deal for anybody who wanted to live there. 
Yeah, and like the other stuff came out of this too, is developers throwing money at the uh, the MacArthur Bart station to like, there's been this uh, plaza update in the works for a long time, but as many might remember, you know, some stuff happened around 2008 that kind of ruined some financially related right. plans. Yeah, I, I remember that. That was that was a moment that was pretty sketchy if you were trying to build anything. Yeah, absolutely. And now... So we're years out of that now. Yeah, so then here comes Boston Properties out of, uh, I don't know where, they've got stuff in the SF, but they've got more money than God, which is the important thing. I, so, I believe they own the Embarcadero Center, at least they did for a long time. They do, yeah. Their signs are still up all over. They yeah. still own that. Literally more money than God. More money than God. So we should use some of that money to promote, to, to actually build homes for people in the Bay Area, huh? Yeah. Um. I mean, so it's kind of like a, a problem in the Bay Area that you, like, at this point, with the way that anybody can come in from the Oakland Hills and say this community is not white enough, uh, if you don't have enough money to fight off all these lawsuits, then nothing gets built. And that ends up with these large, heavy capitalized towers that do include some luxury units, but also affordable housing units, because it's basically just buying off the rich white neighbors around so that they can shut up about it. You know, I think that just happened, not to share bad news, but I bl- I'm pretty sure that just happened in my neighborhood. So I live in Haight-Ashbury, and I admit it, I'm a homeowner in Haight-Ashbury, but I want more housing too because I want more people to live in the city. And they were just about to build a pretty nice-looking complex above the inner sunset, and they the developers pulled out, I think, because of complaints from neighbors unlike me. Yeah, uh, that's so... There's a, another thing about that is uh, you may have heard of uh, how SFUMB is suing the suburbs. We're suing the city of Lafayette. Oh, so, sue Lafayette. They deserve it for what? Oh, uh, yeah. So we're, so this, this project is, uh, is, you know, this is years old at this point. But originally the developer was going to put like some 200-some home apartment complex on a hill, a bunch of it affordable. And the neighbors were like, no, we can't have this. And so there's this state law, the Housing Accountability Act, that says that if you're going to propose something, if it's the zoning, which this project did, you have to approve it. Wait, so this met zoning, but they tried to block it anyway? Yeah, yeah, they totally did. And so these these local concerned neighbors uh, filed an appeal, and they went brought it to the city council, which is where appeals are heard. And the city council said, well, how about this? How about we just indefinitely delay this project? And then we just so happen to also have this other project that developed the same exact developer and the same land submitted, which is 40 luxury single-family homes. And the city council, they found a legal way around it by just de- delaying the project forever. They didn't say no. They just said nothing. And uh, instead approved this s- seemingly completely unrelated other project of luxury housing. And the locals were like, no, this is fine. And that was way fewer homes, right? Yeah, this is like, you know, 40 homes, 40 oh. luxury single-family homes, each going for a couple million versus, you know, 100 to 200 apartments that rent for, you know, one and a half thousand or something and, that's more reasonable than, you know, a 3000 a month mortgage. And I, I recall, I think there's a BART station there, right? There is, yeah. Shouldn't we be walking to it from our apartments? You, sh- you would think that, but you'd, Lafayette disagrees. You'd think that. Well, Lafayette hopefully will, will feel the, the power of the state law coming down upon them. So changing gears a little bit, uh, Victoria, how'd you get here? Like to the studio? To the studio. Oh, uh, I uh, biked from my apartment in downtown Oakland, took on BART, got off at 16th Mission, and then walked it around a building. So you, you biked over here. So did I. I biked from the Haight-Ashbury. So we got a song recommendation coming in just now from Charlotte. This is Mark Ronson's The Bike Song. I've never heard this song, so but let's see how it is. We wanted to get a little bike theme, and we got a lot to talk about with bikes in just a minute, so stand by. <laughs> その 
復帰までバイバイ Bonjour, mon vieux.
bike with no handlebars, no handlebars, no handlebars. I can ride my bike with no handlebars, no handlebars, no handlebars. Look at me, look at me, hands in the air like it's good to be alive. And I'm a famous rapper, even when the past are all crooked. I can show you how to do si do. I can show you how to scratch a record. I can take apart the remote control, and I can almost put it back together. I can tie a knot in a cherry stem. I can tell you about Lee Erickson. I know all the words to De Colores, and I'm proud to be an American. Me and my friends are platypus. Me and my friend made a comic book, and guess how long it took? I can't do anything that I want, cause look, I can keep rhythm with no metronome. No metronome, no metronome And I can see your face on the telephone On the telephone, on the telephone Look at me, look at me Just called to say that it's good to be alive In such a small world, I'm all curled up with a book to read I can make money, open up a thrift store I can make a living off a magazine I can design an engine 64 miles to a gallon of gasoline I can make new antibiotics I can make computers survive aquatic conditions I know how to run the business And I can make you want to buy a product Movers, shakers, and producers Me and my friends understand the future I see the strings that control the system I can do anything with no resistance Cause I can lead a nation with a microphone with a microphone, with a microphone And I can split the atom of a molecule Of a molecule, of a molecule Mic check. Mic check. Mic check. Hi. Bike check. Bike check. Bike check. Ding ding. Ding ding ding. Ding ding. So bikes, huh? Bikes. I like bikes. I love bikes. Bikes are the best way to get around San Francisco. You know who doesn't like bikes? Uh, uh, that's uh, I'm not one to name names. I'm not one to name names either. But I hear there's some people who don't like bikes. Oh, yeah. Do you think that people? Do you think that the opposition to bikes is a smart thing? I don't think it's. I don't know. This is kind of a, a touchy issue. Uh, so, in particular, we're talking about the bike share expansion in Oakland, right? Well, let's let's talk about bike share. I think the yeah. bike share is super rad. I've been doing it for years, and I love the fact you can tag on with your Clipper card now. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, my favorite part about it so far is actually that uh, my partner, who is on CalFresh food stamps right now, they pay five dollars. 
what? for a year's membership. Five dollars a year? That's yeah, an no, incredible deal. Yeah, it's pretty rad. And like they have a bike right now, but it's kind of like a pain in the butt to lug up and down three flights of stairs in an apartment building and there's like a bike share at the end of my block and they can just hop in and go somewhere. That's way better. Yeah. So wasn't the idea behind bike share that you could just go around town, use it when you need it, and then you can return it. You don't have to worry about storing it. You don't have to worry about getting stolen. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, so I've been to a lot of cities in my lifetime on this planet, and I've used many bike share systems. And I think actually my favorite was probably Mexico City's bike share. Um, they've got these things called EcoVC, and you can sign up for a three-day pass. It's like 20, 30-some bucks or something American. And uh, you can walk up to a station, you punch in your code, and then you are assigned a bike, and you pull it out, and then you bike off. You go to your next slot, and you drop it in. And I think, like, the coolest thing about the Mexico City uh, bike share was that there's, like, literally a station on every single dang block. Wow. It's kind of obnoxious, actually. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Because yeah. I've been to places, I've, I've not been there. I've been to some towns that have them. London had them before here. New York had them about the same time. <laughs> And the thing that always bothered me about the earlier Bay Area bike share was that it was so small, that there were so many places you couldn't take it. And I feel like they're trying to fix that problem now. Yeah, uh, I, I think so. Like one big difference between, I guess, any kind of California bike share and a bike share literally anywhere else on the planet is that uh, in California, it's mostly funded through uh, advertising and private money. Elsewhere, you know, the cities, they'll throw money at a bike share because they've got the money. But here in California, unfortunately, as you may already know, Prop 13. Prop 13. Prop 13 makes it hard to do almost anything in that in this in this state, which is amazing. It's amazing that our state is so prosperous, given that. I, I mean, I don't think it makes it hard to do things in the state. I think it makes it hard to do things in the state equitably. That's it's, a very good it's point. totally easy to like just levy a new fee against poor people and do like, you know, you live in a rent-controlled apartment. That's going to take means testing. So we'll just charge you an extra hundred a year to pay for your own means testing. Right. <clears> or like, right. Exactly. Or like you charge. It really does seem like everything here is based on fees, even if it's supposed to be equitable. And that doesn't seem right. Yeah, absolutely. And like... You know, we some people point to things like parcel taxes as a way to fund things, like this new regional measure three that's coming up. Is that it, a, a parcel tax? Like it still is a tax on land, but it's like a fixed value, so it's pretty regressive. So if you own like an apartment building with you know three hundred some homes, you pay about the same tax, unless it's written. There's ways to do it. You pay about the same tax as somebody uh, next door who has a luxury single family home who only houses one person. I, I, I noticed that the, uh, the parcel taxes tend to be supported by the guys who own the giant um, office buildings because they're on one parcel. Yes. So uh, that, would, that would explain it. Well, so, so back to bikes. So um, do you, you bike all around Oakland, all around the Bay Area? So you were saying that before offline that actually the bike share made a big difference in your own biking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, now, I mean, so like the, the SFGMB office is right here in downtown SF. It's like right across from uh, the Twitter building, I think. And uh, the last, like, three or four nights I've had my bike parked out there this year, uh, I've had my seat stolen. It's a folder bike, so it's, like, meant to be disassembled, which is good for fitting onto a bark car, less good for holding it together, locked up to a bike right. rack. On, on the street, someone's just going to walk away with it. And... Right, yeah. And now there's literally a bike share station across the street, so I can, like, come here, hop on a bike at a BART station, and then bike over to my office, I guess, my, with big heavy quotes around it, and work out of there. And I don't have to worry about my bike getting stolen. I don't have to worry about friggin' finding another uh, $40 bike post. I don't have to buy another seat all the time. It's like, I literally don't have to think about it, and it's great. That's such a win. That's totally better. 
So yeah, as many of you know who've listened to me for a while, I bike all over the place too. I biked here from the Haight-Ashbury. Uh, I've biked all over San Francisco for many years and on a bike that's 30 years old. Can you believe that? Um, and one of the things that I've noticed, and we were talking about this on Telegraph Avenue too, is the city's really worked hard to add more bike infrastructure so it's possible to get around that way. And that's the message that I always try to send to new cyclists is, look, there's more infrastructure than you think. You might actually be able to ride safely. So, Victoria, is that in your experience since coming here compared with other places? Absolutely. Yeah. Back in Akron, Ohio, we don't have, like, any bike lane infrastructure at all. We actually just got, like, our first protected bike lane, I think, last year. Like, oh long after I, I know. It was pretty cool. I, I saw all my old Twitter friends excited about it. Uh, but yeah, like bike infrastructure out here is while it's not perfect, it's, I mean, at least there are bike lanes. Like, I think like a great example of this would be something like out on market street in Oakland. There's technically a bike lane there. Um, it's just, they don't, they haven't painted it in forever. The road is just full of potholes. So while there still is kind of bike lane infrastructure, we need to do better at it. But even so it's leaps and bounds better than like any other city I've lived in, which is only been Akron. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. So where would you, if you were going to bike somewhere out of not just commuting around town, where would you want to go? Um, I would like for there to be a nice bike route that would take me from Oakland to Marin, actually. Um, it'd be really nice to be able to bike across that bridge instead of having to go on BART and then go down to Golden Gate Bridge and bike across that and get up there because... I, don't, I mean, I don't necessarily want to go to Marin. God, no. I want to go to the places <laughs> around Marin. I want to go to the places that aren't populated around Marin. Um, Sonoma? Yeah, like Sonoma, or there's like that little like uh, park just outside of the, the other end of the Golden Gate Bridge with some good views. Uh, just go out there Fort and enjoy Baker? Right, yeah. And Sounds like Adventure Capital from another show I listened to. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, so if you, you know, there's, did you ride on that train? Which train? The Smart Train. I did actually. Yeah, that's it was, pretty smart of you. <laughs> uh, it it was it was all right. I could have taken a, a a bike on there, but because it was like an opening special run, it was super duper packed. So I'm a little bummed I didn't get to ride on the the bike trail that goes right along the the train tracks. You can take a bike to the train on the portion that's not yet finished, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, I rode a bike on it, uh, or rode a bike around out there in San Ramon, and then I rode the train up to, uh, I think, Petaluma. I'm not Petaluma, terrib- yeah. Yeah, That's I'm not nice terribly familiar with the cities out there. But yeah, I went up there and just kind of wandered around a giant shopping mall and got disenfranchised with suburbia, as I usually do, and then came back home, and it was good. Suburbia. Disenfranchised suburbia. Sounds <laughs> like sounds like kind of a sprawling area. I guess it would be nice to get out of there and back to the city after a time. Yeah, it, it is nice to be into a place that doesn't have nearly as much parking, surprisingly. Uh, and a place that has, like, you can look up and you can see things, or there's, you know, people. People, yeah, exactly. But I do love the fact, now, some a little tip, you can now take your bike across the eastern span of the Bay Bridge. You can. You can ride across to Treasure Island and then hop on uh, one of the muni buses and get the rest of your ride over. And then once you do that, you can ride to the ferry building. Yep. Head on up to Tiburon, or uh, correction, head on over to Larkspur. Mm-hmm. And now Berkeley. And now up to... Ber- oh, can you go Berkeley to Larkspur? Yeah, I mean, well, there's a new private ferry that goes from the ferry building up to Berkeley, I think, right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, Sweet. it just started recently. It goes up to, like, right next to Golden Gate Fields. I've oh, never ridden it Tons yet. of options. Yeah. Tons of options all over all over the, uh, all over the sprawling barrier. Well, let's, uh, let's cut into a song, and we'll keep going in just a minute.
you can never get away from the sprawl, not here in San Francisco Bay Area, but when you listen to BFF.FM, it makes those rides just so much nicer. This is Saldrew with Victoria Fierce, a.k.a. T.D. Fisher underscore, here talking about all things bike housing, bikes, housing, San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, and the rest on BFF.FM, your community radio station. And now a word from our sponsor, BFF.FM. That's who you're listening to. It's made possible through the support of our awesome listeners, listeners like you. Visit BFF.FM slash donate and make a tax-deductible donation today. I did. You can even dedicate your contribution to help pay for your favorite show, like this one, the Burrito Justice Radio Hour. That's BFF.FM slash donate. So, Victoria... On the break, we were talking about bike infrastructure, Some something coming in Berkeley and segregation effects. What's going on? Yeah. So earlier this year, uh, the city of Berkeley finally adopted their brand new bicycling master plan, right? And it includes things like where protected bike lanes are going. And I mean, like actually protected with like a concrete barrier, oh, wow. not, the, not the dumb little flex posts that you know, taxi drivers just park on. Not those stupid little paint things that people drive UPS trucks onto and you can't get around? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So, yeah, things like that. I mean, you know, we'll see how it turns out in the end. But uh, so the map that they had, they had protected bike lanes all over the city, except for through South Berkeley. What? Which, yeah. So if you've ever been to Ashby Bart Station. Sure, uh, every day, all the time. Yeah, it's like at the intersection of, I think, Shattuck and Ashby. Right. And if, and if you've ever tried to drive down Ashby on a bike. It's super narrow. Uh, on well, a bike, well, riding down Ashby on a bike, forget it. Like it's four lanes of cars, two cars, two parking. There's like nowhere to ride. Right, that's the thing. And uh, there are no bike lanes south of Ashby. And there's a lot of people who live around there. A lot of people who are trying to get to the Ashby Bart Station. That's and super not cool. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the, the irritating thing was like I kind of brought it up at the city council meeting, and I wrote about it. And the the city councilors and the mayor were just like, eh whatever we've got well, bike lanes and they just kind of like passed it off and now you know there's a big part of uh communities of color they're just not going to get good decent bike infrastructure which i think is a health and safety concern that's a major safety concern well didn't we have that wasn't that an issue initially when they put out the bike share plans that parts of berkeley and west oakland weren't included even though they're completely flattened next to bart uh something i mean i don't remember the long debates about it but yeah stuff like that happened and in response the uh the the cities agreed that like i think 20 percent of the bike share stations were going to be put into uh underprivileged underserved underinvested communities which if you look at the the final map of where both theoretical and known bike stations are going in uh it kind of matches that pattern right so, the, so why would Berkeley want to discriminate, I think that's the right word, against neighborhoods where, honestly, you'd probably expect higher bike usage because if it's lower income, people are less likely to be able to afford cars? That's a real good infos- That's a real good question. I think most of the time people bring out, they try out this argument of, well, we only have so much resources and so much that we can spend on this infrastructure thing. So for whatever reason, it's more cost prohibitive to put it in that area of town as opposed to around here. And I think, I, I mean, I kind of agree with that. I think the answer to that is, of course, to densify our cities so then there are enough people in a certain area to support that kind of infrastructure. Yeah, and that area near Ashby Bart, it's a lot of single families and smaller, you know, multi-unit homes. But I see people on bikes all the time, mm-hmm. and I think if I were, if I lived in that area, and I've got a lot of friends who do, I'd be pretty pissed off if the city said, "Sorry, we're too cheap to put bikes in your area 
put bike infrastructure in your area, but you can, you know, we're going to put it in the rich areas. That would really make me angry. So they're not even putting it in the rich areas themselves. They've got it in kind of like, I guess, well, I guess it's like kind of all right. They've got it like distributed through moderate mixed income communities. Uh, they definitely have excluded the Berkeley Hills, which I guess from the Bicelius perspective, Hills suck. So I can't really blame them on that too much. <laughs> yeah, but there I are can see part- that. Yeah, but there are parts of... There are areas in the Berkeley Hills that might be good too. Yeah, yeah if you like look at North Berkeley area, which is overwhelmingly rich, uh, they don't necessarily have as much bike infrastructure as other places, yeah, which I think is really that's unfair. That's totally unfair. I think San Francisco has maybe done a little bit better job of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting their infrastructure around the whole city. But the Tenderloin has been a struggle. Yeah. Very densely populated area, heavy bike usage, and yet every time SFMTRA shows up with their posts, they get taken out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, so I think that kind of like speaks to a broader message of maybe anti-gentrification people railing against change and kind of blaming everything, blaming any kind of that looks like gentrification, which, like, let's step back a second. Like, what is gentrification? It means a lot of different things to a lot of people, it's kind of just a really watered down thing. And I've been trying to get people to like use a more precise terminology about it. Like, is it the displacement? Is it the, the increasing whiteness? Is the the higher cost of living? Like all those have at various points in times meant gentrification. It has. But, yeah. But I think like it's used by so many people. It's just like, we hate whatever it is. So we're just going to call it gentrification and move on and stop discussion about it. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, th- this is where I really like the focus on, Making it making services available to you know low income riders, for example, I think that's you know not notwithstanding gentrification, it's just an important thing to do to make sure that public services are available to everybody in the region, whether or not they have ability to pay. Yeah, we've all got a right to the city, and we got to employ every means available to secure that right for ourselves and people who are here and everybody. When we come back after a little break at the top of the hour, we are actually getting burritos and we'll review them. We'll talk about that in the context of mass transit, which we only barely just touched on. And if you know Seldrew, that's me, you know that I want to talk about mass transit. I have ideas about buses, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm all in favor of buses. I think they're pretty great. We should ride them. Hey, in three, two, one, zero, one p.m. Pacific Daylight Time here in San Francisco, coming to you live from the Secret Alley here in the Mission District of beautiful San Francisco. I'm Suldrew, filling in today for Burrito Justice with Victoria Fisher, a.k.a. T.D. Fisher. That's me, yeah. That's you. That's you. Most people don't call me Victoria Fisher, but... Oh, Fierce. Victoria Fierce. I apologize. (laughs) I was uh, was looking at the Twitter name. I know. Um, Thank you very much, Victoria, for being here today. We will return after we get those burritos in about three or four songs. I'm so uh, pumped. Take a listen. I want to ride my
Mama got a look at you and got a little worried. Papa got a look at you and got a little worried. The pastor got a look and said, y'all are better hurry. Send her off to a little Bible college in Missouri. And now you come back saying you know a little bit about every little thing they ever hoped you'd never figure out. Eve ate the apple because the apple was sweet. Kind of God would ever keep a girl from getting what she needs. And I'm getting ready to get down. Getting ready to get down. Getting ready to get down. Now people cross the street when you walk in their direction Talk between the teeth and throw an epithets And the doctor thinks the devil must have got you by your senses But to live the way you please doesn't sound like possession It's four long years studying the Bible Infidels, Jezebel, Salomas and Delilahs Back off the bus in your own hometown Say you didn't like but then you probably won't like me now But I'm getting ready to get down I'm getting ready to get down I'm getting ready to get down All the men of the country club, the ladies of the Zilla are talking about love Like it's apple pie and liberty to really be a saint You gotta really be a virgin, dry as a page of the King James Version No la la's, no hell yes, no I can't wait So gotta see you again, says turn the other cheek Take no chances, Jesus hates your high school dances Off to Bible school, you learned a little more than they had heard was in the golden rule. Be good to everybody, be a strength to the weak, be a joy to the joyful, be the laughter and the grief, and give your love freely to whoever that you please. Don't let nobody tell you about the who you ought to be. And when you get damned in the popular opinion, it's just another damn of the damn you're not given. I'm getting ready to get down, getting ready to get down, getting ready to get down. Mama got a look at you and got a little worried Papa got a look at you and got a little worried The pastor got a look and said, y'all are better hurry Send her off to a little Bible college in Missouri And now you come back saying you know a little bit about Every little thing they ever hoped you'd never figure out The bread, see the dead, see the sermon on the mound If you want to see a miracle, watch me get down now Getting ready to get down Getting ready to get down Getting ready to get down
just pleasure when I'm in LA. Say, ain't that right? And I miss you, Barilla, in the summertime. Say, ain't that right? And you know I miss those girls so fine. Say, ain't that right? But I hope to make it back someday. Ain't that right? If I have my way, ain't that right? Ain't that California's in my heart?
It's a mad, mad, mad world, and we are the Burrito Justice Radio Hour. I'm Soldrew with Victoria Fierce. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. We got some burritos. They were good. They were delicious. Where were they from? Castellito on Mission. Castellito on Mission. Definitely recommended. Just one block from the 16th Mission BART station, so check that out. We were going to talk about cities. We like cities, don't we? I freaking love cities. Oh I God. love cities, too. I live in a city, and I love it. I think that we should promote cities. I chose to move to a city. Did you also come from a less urban environment? Ish, I guess. I mean, before I moved to Akron, Ohio, three years, or, you know, about probably about a decade at this point ago, uh, before I moved here, you know, I was born and raised on 150 acres of farmland with, like, cows and soybeans and stuff like that. So I'm, like, pure-blood redneck living in a city, and it's pretty great. That's pretty rad. Yeah, I came from a suburban setting. Uh, and really chose to live in the city um, because I wanted to be able to walk to things and have neighbors nearby that I knew and all of that. And um, I think that's a lot of us here in San Francisco and other cities around around the world really have made that choice. Um, and uh, so that's why it's so important to to keep the cities getting better. So tell us, Victoria, you were talking about people who want to make the cities better and really celebrate urban life. How, yeah. how, how do we encourage that? Um yeah, so like sort of like a little bit of background, like some of the stuff that brought up this discussion with Soldier and I was uh, we were looking at some of the reactions to the Oakland bike share on Twitter this morning. And uh, I, I think there's a broader issue at play than just talking about bike share and whether or not it's going to gentrify an area or the exclusionary attitudes of it or something. But I think what's missing a lot from the discourse, and I've seen Seattle do this wildly successfully, is that you talk about the city as a place that you love. Uh, I love cities. We should all love cities. Everybody has the right to the city. We should, you know, build a city that we all want to live in instead of, you know, painting out this image of what I don't want a city to look like. Like some people who say, I don't want bike lanes. I don't want a city that has bike share. I don't want people getting around easily. Instead, phrase it in like, I want to see a city that uh, allows multiple modes of transportation. I want to see a city that uh is not car dominated but lets people have choice in how they get from point a to b point b a place that lets people choose where they can live so something like this victoria we built this city on rock and roll built this city we something like that yeah something like yeah you found like the one song that i actually don't like good job. so if you're building the city on rock and roll <laughs> How would you go about doing that? Uh, well, I would not have planning commissions the way that we do it today. Planning I have, commissions? Yeah, yeah, planning commissions. You, you know, it sounds really boring and dreadful, but that is how our cities are planned with, like, heavy, big air quotes around planned. Um, the way they end up working is you get whoever has the most time to show up to these things, which is predominantly, like, older boomers who've been retired for a few years and they don't want their city to change. So you get people showing up to these planning commission meetings about, like, housing or something, and they're like, well you know, this is, no, I don't want this. And then it doesn't happen. And then we're in, you know, getting back to this housing shortage. And what, what was this, the keep the city shitty movement? Yeah, so there's... Uh, we built this shitty? I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that either. There's like, there's so there's... Uh, let, let's try this. I'll, I'll like, like read out some like random quotations from things I've heard before and we'll decide, is it, is it, we'll, we'll talk about them. Yeah. Um, so some people who would show up and say, I don't want a uh, a beer garden in my neighborhood. Who doesn't want beer? 
Well, I mean, there's a lot of people who don't want beer, and for perfectly valid okay, reasons. Maybe you prefer wine. Maybe you prefer, you know, a, a, a spritzy cocktail. Yeah, or or you're an alcoholic and trying yeah. to stay away from it and sure, sober totally. up. Sure, totally. I uh, get that. Yeah, right. So uh, somebody would say that in a wealthy white neighborhood. They would also say it in a deep East Oakland neighborhood, which is not a wealthy white neighborhood. And I think that what we should do is kind of phrase it towards, uh, well, I would love to have a city that has beer gardens in it, and I would love everybody to have access to a beer garden and have the ability to choose whether or not they go to a beer garden. I, I, I would love to have beer gardens for all. I feel that's a, that's a priority in our urban planning. And I, I hear you. We see this a lot in San Francisco, too, where things that seem like they should be good for all get, you know, either less rich neighborhoods or pushed away from areas because somebody just decided to complain. And that's that is definitely a source of frustration. One one area that I thought was has been successful actually is Hayes Valley because in a way they had an opportunity with the teardown of that freeway, they were able to build things like new housing and beer gardens and shops, etc., kind of on a tabula rasa. So it can be done, but you need you need to change the rules to make it more possible to to build cool stuff. Yeah, right. So like I guess uh, there's there is in Oakland this like keep Oakland shitty movement. I guess it wouldn't really be a movement because who would ever call themselves that? But they're the same sort of people who come out and say you know bike lanes are just uh, or bike share is a very bad thing and we should not have it despite the fact that like it's one of the things that makes a city really great is having more access to bikes. Didn't we get that on bike lanes, too, in some parts of San Francisco? I know D.C. had that problem where some neighborhoods were complaining about bike lanes, even though bikes were heavily used there. Right. Bus lanes ran into this problem yeah. right by the secret alley where uh, there were people complaining about bus lanes, which would speed up service for tens of thousands of riders because of a couple parking spaces. Yeah, and it's kind of the same thing with bike share. Is like it takes away a couple of spaces of public parking which is you know city is subsidizing your car storage for your private automobile which is really the business end of the dakota access pipeline let's be honest here that's true right it's the, like one of the biggest subsidies to, to oil but then uh some of the folks will come out and say well no we need to keep my parking out here and and you end up with like six lane highways in oakland going through the middle of r urban communities and like I don't think that's a really livable city. I think that's kind of bad. And there's this group of people, this movement of keep Oakland shitty, where six-lane highway, no, that's better. Like, we need to keep it exactly as the way it is, and we'll just do it ourselves. But then there's no investment. There's no money to make that happen. It, it, I've, I've noticed that a lot in other areas around pedestrian safety, too, where uh, it, where people, if we're putting in crosswalks or lights or you know things to make it possible to actually walk and not get run over, weirdly people complain about that, and I don't understand it. We saw that in Los Angeles, for example. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Like so, the, this bike share in Oakland, we've been talking about it for about five years at this point, right? Um, and uh, now is about the time for people to who who never bike, they never take the bus. Sometimes they bar and they just bring out this. Well, hold on, what about the safety? as they're tweeting from their own private car in the middle of a downtown urban center. Tweeting while driving, probably. They were, actually. So that, I, like, that's a, you know... I believe it. Right. And, and there's, no, there's not a lot of introspection on that. And it's just this, you know, I don't like bike share, so therefore nobody should like bike share. And if you like bike share, then you are just wrong and obviously capitalistic, never mind the fact that, like, you know, socialist cities like Vancouver and Vienna, uh, all these other places have nice stuff. Yeah, it was funny. I was just in Barcelona, and they have a they have tons of that kind of infrastructure, and it's super livable. The only problem with Barcelona is you can't rent a bike with your credit card. You have to be a local, but that's a small problem. Uh, so thinking about you know loving urban life, 
What What is something new that's come to Oakland that you just love? Uh, something not it doesn't have to be infrastructure, like a place to go, like place to like, go. A, like a place to dine or a place for um place for live music, something like that. I'm just curious. Uh, man, I don't know. I don't. I can't think of like something new that's really stuck out of my mind. Uh, but like things that have been in, in Oakland for a long time that I'm really happy to be around or like there's snow park. I live right next door to it in downtown Oakland. It's a big park. Oh, actually, no, that's so that here's the thing. Snow park is getting a huge expansion right now. We're actually taking away uh, like four lanes of traffic. What? Expanding, Expanding a park where traffic was? We were. Yeah. There that's was a great idea. So there's like this weird ass uh, three, four lane intersection with like five streets coming together and there's like four strip sips, uh, slip lanes and there's like this big isolated triangle in the middle of all this clusterfuck that like nobody goes to and nobody enjoys and it's kind of just bad. I think I've driven a car. I do drive a car sometimes. Monster. I know. Terrible. Um, <clears throat> I didn't today. I think I've driven a car through there and it's just, it, before it was just like a weird set of like ramps and stuff that went nowhere. It was bizarre. Yeah. And so like... Uh, in a planning document I saw some time ago, somebody said that Oakland, downtown Oakland, was designed to be driven through. That's why we end up with all these one you know, like these one way roads. And I think that uh, what we're doing in Oakland with expanding Snow Park and taking back some actual streets and turning it into parkland. Oh, and that's we're a great also idea. yeah, this is also going to be uh, part of a bigger project at uh, twenty. 20th and Grand, no, Oakland Avenue and Grand, mm-hmm. that uh, will actually include like a protected bike lane intersection nice. with like concrete barriers and a bike track and goes all the way around the lake. And like, this is kind of a huge thing. I look at that and I think that's amazing. Like, I have to go to the Whole Foods at the north end of that and biking there is just a shit show. It's awful. So now this new protected bike lane is going to let all these people have access to, even though it may be an expensive grocery store. It's still a grocery store that has food and all the rest of Grand Avenue, which goes way deep up into hills. Now you can safely bike down it and get out there from downtown, from the urban core. Right. When there's tons of not just Whole Foods, but other shopping that people want to be able to get to. I was just there recently towards going towards Lake Merritt and was really pleasantly surprised at all the all the options that were there. And yeah, it definitely looked like it needed some some infrastructure upgrades for sure. I've always thought about, you know, you've heard about, I'm sure you know about the Connect Oakland concept about, you know, downsizing or removing 980. Yes, please. Uh, and I've always thought, you know, my personal opinion is downsize, don't remove, but we can debate that. But I think that that space could be so much more with BART stations and parkland rather than just like a giant, you know, four lanes of traffic and room for 10. That's just absurd. Yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous. And like, you know, People might look at that and say, oh, well, tearing down that highway is going to be a big inconvenience for people who need to get from Chinatown to Berkeley or from Chinatown to San Francisco. And I think that there's some truth to that. And I think the response should not be, well, let's keep this massive piece of segregationist infrastructure. Let's instead take what we would have spent on maintenance on that and invest it in buses. Let's invest it in better cross transbay tube tunnels or <clears throat> things like that. Things that aren't a friggin' highway that literally segregate and divide a city in half. Well, the, the, it, it's really obvious if you look at the maps of Oakland how segregationist that highway is because it, you know, there's so few ways to get through it. It's pretty, it's pretty bad. Um, mass transit, we barely talked about it, but isn't there a plan to build a new Transbay tube? Uh, I would say there's a plan to build it just yet, but there's a plan to consider the option to study it, I think, is going uh, on right now. I vote yes. Yeah, I would love to be able to have the option to consider studying the possibility of maybe exploring the notion of a Transbay tube study. That sounds like a great thing to study. Let's study the option to study. Yeah, I know. Bureaucracy is amazing, and it's, California just loves it's, it. It's it's perfect. But 
Um, seriously, mm-hmm. like if you ride BART, and I bet you do, you know how much we need more capacity. That thing is is really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a state bill going on right now. I wish I had the the like state bill number right now, but uh, so I think there's an expansion that uh, Livermore wants to expand out into the Central Valley, and they want to build it on their own, but then they want to dump the operation of it onto BART. BART doesn't have the rolling stock for that. We ain't got the money, and you know, these like expansions and stuff of the BART system, they're not helping us as much as building a second Transbay 2 but would. And any, any expansion on the outside, it, it's fine, but it needs to pay for expansion in the core. Otherwise, you're just going to have more, mm-hmm. more congestion. We've seen that in cities all around the world where the, the mass transit isn't keeping up. Just look at New York City and D.C. Right, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just bad. California funding structure is a Winchester mystery house built on top of a puzzle box of insanity. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good way to describe it. I think we should we should print that on a T-shirt. The other T-shirt besides the MacArthur Mammoth T-shirt. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to do a little more urban music coming up right now, and then we will continue with the last 20 minutes of our show. Tweet at us if you're listening. I'm at Suldrew, S-U-L-D-R-E-W. Victoria is at T-D-F-I-S-C-H-E-R underscore. And Burrito Justice, your real host, is at Burrito Justice, and maybe he's there too.
we are in Paradise City in San Francisco. Sometimes it gets to be a bit of a lonely town here on BFF.FM. Everybody deserves a Paradise City. On BFF.FM, this is Soldrew on the Burrito Justice Radio Hour, here with the amazing Victoria Fierce of East Bay Forward. A uh, little shout out to everybody who's been listening and tweeting at the Burrito Justice Radio Hour, hosted by Soldrew. Uh, special thanks, first of all, to Cosmic Amanda, 
the amazing woman behind this very radio station who got us in on time and helped us with the soundboard. That's really, really awesome. And she told us to take the burritos out of the studio, which is pretty good. She did, which was a smart move. Don't eat burritos in the studio. Don't be me. Don't. Yeah, definitely not. Um, shout out to Kieran Darkwater, who was the primary organizer of the amazing Yimby Town Conference. I went to Yimby Town and freaking loved it. And I think if you went to Yimby Town and loved it, say thank you to Kieran uh, at MX Darkwater. Uh, if you didn't go, go to the next one. They're pretty rad. Yeah. There's been a lot of people like pinning the blame for me on the conference. No, it was totally Kieran. I did I did jack shit. It was it was pretty it was totally awesome what Kieran did. Uh, special shout out to listeners. It's Wanda, No Vowels Mac, the real We Built This City. We played that for you. Martha, <laughs> Becca Star, my amazing wife, and Burrito Justice, who I hope is listening, and if not, will catch the podcast and came up with this show in the first place. So for the last 10 minutes of the show, Victoria, tell us a little more. Just what, what, what do you want to close the show with? I, I think we should all think about what it means to live in a city and what it means to live in a, like, actually live in a great city. Um, I don't think gentrification is a, a necessary attribute or quality of cities. I think we can have cities without gentrification and displacement. And I invite everybody to think of what that looks like. Think what it looks like to... To, to live blocks down from your job, to live above a cat cafe, to have bike access, to have good infrastructure, to not worry about what your bus schedule is, and just imagine what it's like to live in a city and, and be in a really great city and just share the city. What, what can we do in smaller cities who want to make this their own? Like We have a lot of smaller cities in the U.S. and around the world who, who, who want to ex- build that urbanist experience and don't know where to go. Uh, I think first you need to figure out how you're going to finance it. Being a policy wonk sort of person is my best suggestion, of course, is to tax the ever-loving shit out of the rich. That's usually a good start. Um, and then once you get that, then you'll find out you have like a lot of money to be able to pay for nice things like protected bike lanes or uh, crosswalks or just basically reclaiming your city from the monopoly of cars in the oil industry. So that's a really interesting one because there's so much car infrastructure in and around in our cities and in our suburban areas. But we don't have to live next to it. We don't have to make our entire world focused on cars, even though we might use them from time to time. Yeah, like, uh, so in Oakland, I live at the intersection of 14th and Alice. And Alice Street's just full of potholes. That's not actually part of the story. But 14th Street is getting a beautiful, wonderful, protected bike lane. It's going across the entire city. It goes all the way from deep east Oakland. It's not all 14th Street, but it goes all the way across to east Oakland, all the way into west Oakland. And I think that I'm, I'm really excited to see that start rolling out in Oakland in the next, like, year or two when they finally build it. And I think... Uh, it's really going to do a lot to kind of stitch the city together and let people have like this, this bike infrastructure that everybody in the city has access to. And I think we need to take it one step further and let people live next to these really nice things by densifying our cities and making it affordable. And again, employing everything we can to secure the right of the city to everybody. Right. So here in SF, we've got a few areas that are really trying to do that. Um, one I'll highlight is, uh, the corner of Van Ness and Market, where a car dealership will soon be replaced with housing, which I think is so fantastic, um, and a giant parking lot, too. So if, if you're in a city that isn't San Francisco or Oakland, maybe you're in Los Angeles, maybe you're in D.C., maybe you're in New Piedmont. York City. P- in, in Berkeley, P- Piedmont, Piedmont, Berkeley, Alameda, right. Richmond. There's like yeah. 101 cities in the Bay Area, and they all are kind of bad at this. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, think about in San Jose, for example, 
you know, they're trying to urbanize slowly, slowly, and it's been a bit of a struggle. But uh, there's lots of opportunities to make your area more walkable and st- and say the right thing. Say th- say that urban life is great, and we want more of it. Yeah, I, I like what the San Francisco Transformation Agency has been doing in SF, the SFMTRA, the ones who do the guerrilla bike lane infrastructure. Like, I love their their slogan, demand more. We should be demanding more from our cities. Our city should work for us. We shouldn't work for the city. I think that I think that's really true. We actually so in the Haight Ashbury where I live, we have uh, we have a few of those that came in right by Golden Gate Park, and the, the city picked them up. They, the MTRA put up some of those posts so that bikes wouldn't get run over, and it turned out that they were they were pretty successful. So that was that was pretty rad. Um, I'm also noticing some interesting things happening along new pla- like along the Smart Line in Marin, for example, even Novato, which is not a big town. Um, was like, wait, we want people to come to our downtown. We don't want them just to hang out in the in the you know suburban outs, outskirts of the area. And so they're building a train station there, and they're building a more walkable downtown. So it doesn't have to be the big cities that do this. Yeah, uh, walkability and transit improvements are the gateway drug to massive density and human hives of activity that is affordable to everybody. I love it. That's definitely the way to go. Okay. So we'll uh, we'll hop into a couple more songs to wrap up. Just one one little quick one, and then a final. So um, before we go, uh, here's a here's a little uh, in deep. Last night, a DJ saved my life. Today, Burrito Justice Radio Hour saved my life. This is Suldrew with Victoria Fierce saying so long from the secret alley. So long. Goodbye. We'll see you again soon. Long live the city. Long live the city.
got no 